Amen. Good morning. Good morning to those of you in the room. Good morning to those of you that are at home in your own room. Um, we're glad you're with us. We're going to do something a little different this morning. Um, but before we do, I have a, a, a question for you, and it's, I, I think it's something that's familiar to all of us. Have you ever received someone else's mail? Um, we've had, you know, at our house, we get someone else's mail on a regular basis, the people who used to live there. It's something, you know, you, if it's junk mail, obviously, we, we do the appropriate thing with that. We've tried to forward some things on that looked like they might be more important. But have you ever gotten to a point where this maybe happens for us a little bit more where it's email, where you receive an email and you realize partway in that it wasn't meant for you, right? It wasn't meant for you. It was maybe, maybe it's uh, you share the first name with someone and they started to type your name in and it auto-filled and they just hit enter and then sent a message to you. That happens to us from time to time and we have a sort of a, a response to that or a reaction to it. it. There's a distance that's felt when you realize that the correspondence that you're reading belongs to someone else. It wasn't, it wasn't yours, right? And that's very different. It's very different from, from correspondence you receive that is meant for you and for you only. It's not, it's not spam that went out. It's not just an email blast that went out, but someone took the time to sit down and send you a message. Um, I, I, I'm not one for much for nostalgia, but yet I know in our house we've got, we have handwritten letters that my wife and I wrote to each other when we were in college and, and just beyond and not living in the same town, and, and we took the time to write those and send them, and they're, they're, a, they're a treasured or cherished um, thing to remember our relationship with one another and, and, and where we started. And today, we're, we want to reflect back on the book of Colossians. We want to take a look back. We want to look at this, this letter that was written to the, the, the people in the church in the city of Colossae. And Colossae was just kind of a small little place on the... On the the outskirts of some larger places. It, it, was, it was too too distant to be sort of a suburb and too small to be a, a city of note. But there was a church there full of real people and real people who'd come to Christ. And then there were, there were, there were transplants, people who'd moved from other places who became part of that body. And, and, and Paul, the apostle Paul, wrote them this letter. He wrote this letter to them that we've spent time over the last couple months looking at the particulars, at the details. We've tried to look at it bit by bit and at times pull out little parts and, and, and see what they mean, see what those, those small things mean. And today we're actually going to pull back. We're going to pull back and we're going to do something that we, as far as I know, that we've never done. Um, because we want we to look at a, a bigger question this morning. We want to look at a question about the Bible itself and who was it written to? Who's it for? Who receives the benefits of the word of God in their life? Who can understand it? Is it, is it just for a special group of people or, or, or does, does anyone have access to it? And around here, we believe that the dynamic of the Bible is such that it was written for a particular occasion. The Apostle Paul had an occasion for writing. He had, a, he, had a, he had a purpose for writing when he wrote this letter to the church at Colossae. And he wrote it to real people, people living in, in a particular place in this city of Colossae in a real time with real concerns. And they, these were very human things. But the Lord saw fit, God himself saw fit to protect those words, to inspire those words, to move those words, and for those words to carry on for centuries 
so that we read them today and they carry unique life-giving power for us as well. And so we're going to do this thing, and it's a little unusual. When the church in Colossae would have received this letter, they would have, they would have received it, and they would have, have, have read it publicly, aloud. It was the only way they really had access to it. There was no you know, pho- photocopier in the corner for them to go down and lay the papyrus on and, and make copies of it. And so they would come together for a reading of it. And today we want to step into that ancient tradition And rather than zeroing in maybe with a microscope or a a telescope, we want to pull back and get a bigger view. We want to hear the whole, the whole letter. It may may shock you. The reading of the whole letter, if you sit down to read it, would take you about 15 minutes. And we, we have that kind of time. I also recognize, and I need to say this before we engage in this, that... um, we have, uh, rather than first century attention spans, we have 21st century attention spans, right? And I get that, and I get that. But I'm going to ask you, no matter if you're at home, please don't fast forward, okay? If, if you're sitting with us, please pay, pay attention to this. Listen to the words. <clears throat> it's not as long as it may feel. You may say, like, well, I could read it on my own, and I realize you could, but I'm going to be honest and... If that's the complaint that we're making, do you really read it on your own, right? Like, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sit through this, we're going to hear it, and what we've done is we've asked different people from our body to read it to us and then to just give a short expression of, of what they're hearing in there and what it means to them. So as you, as you read, I'm going to ask, the, the, or as you listen to them read, I'm going to ask that you would just sort of allow yourself to enter into it, allow yourself to experience it, Allow yourself to, to listen for something particular, something, something unique that you may not have, have heard before, something that speaks to you today in a, in a unique way. And when it's finished, I'll come back and just sort of wrap up with some thoughts on, on the last section and, um, and, and where we find ourselves this morning. So here it is, the book of Colossians. I, Paul, have been sent on special assignment by Christ as part of our God's master plan, together with my friend Timothy. I greet the Christians and stalwart followers of Christ who live in Colossae. May everything good from God, our Father, be yours. Our prayers for you are always spilling over into thanksgivings. We can't quit thanking our Father and Jesus, our Messiah, for you. We keep getting reports on your steady faith in Christ, our Jesus, and we love you continuously extend to all Christians. The lines of purpose in your lives never grow slack, tightly tied as they are to your future in heaven, keep taught by hope. I've read this several times uh, trying to prep for this, and I always makes me think about uh, the part about um, what people do uh, in their work. Uh, Paul talks about uh, what they what they did for other people and the reports they heard. We never know how um, how people interpret our lives or see our love for Christ. So that's why I, I always try to go out and thank other Christians and other people for doing what they do. Give them a uh, 
give them a text, give them a, an email, give them a call. But always try to thank them for what they do, whether it's in the Christian walk or it's just things they do for their fellow neighbors. We look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. All because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your life together, whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that, you stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned in to the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets the same message. I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. God, you're amazing. Uh, you were present. You were present 40 years ago when you caused my heart to surrender you. You continue to be so mighty and large and awesome. Father, thanks for helping me never to use the term awesome except for you. You deserve it alone. I love how you are attentive to every detail, how you cause me to rise up each day and give you thanks. For it's a new day every day, a fresh start in a new mind and body and spirit that you alone are capable of designing and delivering. Father, make me a rejoicing man today. Help me to walk in that power and truth. In Jesus' name. I want you to know how glad I am that it's me sitting here in this jail and not you. There's a lot of suffering to be entered into in this world, the kind of suffering Christ takes on. I welcome the chance to take my share in the church's part of that suffering. When I became a servant in this church, I experienced this suffering as a sheer gift, God's way of helping me serve you, laying out the whole truth. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you, so therefore you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. We preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. 
To be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less. That's what I'm working so hard at, day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me. I want you to realize that I continue to work hard as I know how for you, and also for the Christians over at Laodicea. Not many of you have met me face to face, but that doesn't make any difference. Know that I'm on your side, right alongside you. You're not in this alone. I want you woven into a tapestry of love, in touch with everything there is to know of God. Then you will have minds confident and at rest, focused on Christ, God's great mystery. All the richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded in that mystery and nowhere else. And we've been shown the mystery. I'm telling you this because I don't want anyone leading you off on some wild goose chase after other so-called mysteries or the secret. I'm a long way off, true, and you may never lay eyes on me, but believe me, I'm on your side, right beside you. I'm delighted to hear of the careful and orderly ways you conduct your affairs and impressed with the solid substance of your faith in Christ. Woven into a tapestry of love, that sounds so beautiful. And the other thing that stands out to me is that we've been shown the mystery to be mature is to be basic. We get so confused or distracted by just everything going on in the world, especially at Christmas time, wrapping presents and decorating and are we gonna see our families or not? Um, it's just an interesting concept that to be mature is to be basic, just back to Christ, no more, no less. It takes that stress and just makes it a little bit easier to deal with. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the master. Now live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it and let your living spill over into Thanksgiving. Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual doublespeak. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings. That's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in him, so you can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to, the, to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you, too. His power extends over everything. Entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. It's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. No, you're already in insiders, not through some secret of initiation right, but rather through what Christ has already gone through for you. Destroying the power of sin. If it's an initiation ritual you're after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did your old life. Come, did Christ. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive, right along with Christ. Think of it, all sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their shame authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Uh, I see this as a lot of information is always coming at us, you know, through social media, the news, I mean, people around us. And um, this just reminds you to stay Christ-focused and see it centered. Um, that, you know, all these things you see across, you know, especially in COVID-19, just that 
we have to keep things Christ focused and just focus on him and that's what's gonna you know drive you through not all this intellectual and double speak that you see so prevalent in today's world so don't put up with anyone pressuring you in details of diet worship services or holy days all those things are mere shadows cast before what was to come the substance is Christ don't tolerate people who try to run your life ordering you to bow and scrape insisting that you join their obsession with angels and that you seek out visions. They are a lot of hot air, that's all they are. They're completely out of touch with the source of life, Christ, who puts us together in one piece, whose very breath flows through us. He is the head and we are the body. We can grow up healthy in God only as he nourishes us. So then, if with Christ you put all that pretentious and infantile religion behind you, why do you let yourselves be bullied by it? Don't touch this. Don't taste that. Don't go near this. Do you think things that are here today and gone tomorrow are worth that kind of attention? Such things sound impressive if said in a deep enough voice. They even give the illusion of being pious and humble and ascetic, but they're just another way of showing off, making yourselves look important. This passage reminds me that any religious or spiritual activities that I do, such as going to church, reading my Bible, prayer, etc., should not be used to promote my own external appearance or should not be manipulated in a way that makes me look more spiritually superior. Nothing that I can do can add or contribute to my salvation. My salvation is rooted in Christ, who he is as the Son of God, his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too, the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better, but you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the Creator with His label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free, 
mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this is going off and doing your own thing, and cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus. Thanking God the Father every step of the way. Lord, how often it is, how easy it is to forget, especially now when um, we're cooped up and not interacting with a lot of people, kind of doing our own thing, um, to remember that even in these times we need to look to you and to wear love. Help me to do that. Understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honor the master. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives. Don't take advantage of them. Children, do what your parents tell you. This delights the master to no end. Parents, don't come too, down too hard on your children, or you'll crush their spirits. Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters. Don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God. Confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. And masters, treat your servants considerately. Be fair with them. Don't forget for a minute that you too serve a master, God in heaven. Wow, Lord, it seems that you really want me to understand how important it is that I honor the master. I might be an earthly master. I might be under an earthly master. I might, uh, I'm in all kinds of earthly relationships that require me as a follower of yours to follow the master with my words, with my deeds, with my actions, with my thoughts. So Lord, help me each day to run to the master first, not to the news, not to the weather, not to my text messages, not to my social media, but to the master.
past. Pray diligently. Stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. Don't forget to pray for us that God will open doors for telling the mystery of Christ, even while I'm locked up in the jail, in this jail. Pray that every time I open my mouth, I'll be able to make Christ plain as day to them. Use your heads as you live and work among outsiders. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation. Not put them down, not cut them out. What I feel the Spirit leading me to in this passage is to just be alert. I like how it says, keep your eyes wide open in gratitude. I feel like it's natural for us to, to sleep and to have our eyes shut and to just go with, go with the flow of focusing on ourselves and being focused on ourselves. But this says no. Focus on outsiders. Focus on fellow Christians. Focus on the mystery of Christ and look outside yourself. That's what's encouraging to me about this passage. And we're not quite finished. There's a little bit more to the book of Colossians. And we're going to read that. I'm going to read it for us together this morning. It's a section that's filled with some unusual names. They may sound odd to us. But when we finish, we come back to this idea. These are people just like us. They lived in a different century. um, But they were hearing from God through this letter to the church in Colossae. Many of these people, like us, they weren't firsthand witnesses to Jesus. Some of them had seen him, but, but most had not. They lived at a harsh time. They faced persecution. They wondered where meals would come from. They, they worked a day at a time to provide. And yet they still believed. And so as, as we read and as you see their names, try to imagine them as these members of our body. So Paul writes here, my good friend Titius will tell you all about me. He's a trusted minister and companion in the service of the master. I sent him to you so you would, you would know how things are with us and so he could encourage you in your faith. And I've sent Onesimus with him. Onesimus is one of you and he has become such a trusted and dear brother. Together they'll bring you up to date on everything that has been going on here. Aristarchus, who is in jail here with me, sends greetings Also, Mark, cousin of Barnabas, you received a letter regarding him. If he shows up, welcome him. And also, Jesus, the one they call Justice. These are the only ones left from the old crowd who have stuck with me in working for God's kingdom. Don't think they haven't been a big help. Epaphras, who is one of you, says hello. What a trooper he's been. He's been tireless in his prayers for you, praying that you'll stand firm, mature, and confident in everything God wants you to do. I've watched him closely and can report on how hard he has worked for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, good friend and physician, and Demas both send greetings. Say hello to our friends at Laodicea. Also to Nympha in the church that meets in her house. After this letter has been read to you, make sure it gets also... Also in, read also in Laodicea, and get the letter that went to Laodicea and have it read to you. And oh yes, tell Archippus, do your best in the job you received from the master. Do your very best. I'm signing off in my own handwriting. Paul, remember to pray for me in jail. Grace be with you. You see, the, these people along this list, some of them were, were faithful. 
they had been given a job and they were faithful to do it. Um, some of these people were failures. Um, Mark that's mentioned there, Mark famously in the book of Acts, he deserted Paul, and yet here's Paul encouraging the church at Colossae to accept him back in. You see, it doesn't matter what your story is. The, the message of the gospel of Christ is for you. It's for us. And we want to let the, this morning, let the, the scripture speak as plainly and clearly as, as we can. So we just want to wrap up with a few thoughts about the big picture from the book of Colossians. We share in this story with the, 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 the first century church in Colossae. We've received it well. See, the Bible was written to and for people like us. It's not a, it's, we're not peering in on someone else's correspondence. It wasn't a message intended for someone else that we happened to put our eyes on. God, in the miracle of his word, he wrote it for them and for us. We're stepping into a line of people who God intended for this message. And the message is this, that Christ is Lord. And anything that competes for our worship must be rejected. Paul's making that plain to the church at Colossae, and he's made it plain to us today. For them in the first century, the word Lord was loaded because the word Lord was the same word that Caesar would have used for his lordship. And so if they said that Jesus is Lord, that meant Caesar couldn't be, and it was tantamount to treason against the empire. For us today, we could put it in that realm. You see, our national leaders are not our lords. My employer is not really my lord. My, the TV personalities we tune into, the comedians, they're not our lord. The economic system of capitalism and consumption, it's not our lord. Christ is our lord. And we have to reject all competitors. That's the thing that Paul wanted them to know and he wants us to know today. The second thing is this, when Christ is lord, everything in life changes. If we really submit to his lordship, it changes everything. Our pursuits and desires, our mouths, our families, our work, our religion, the way we practice our faith changes. We must be changed by our relationship with him. Our relationship with him results in change in our life. It touches every aspect. In the same way that sin impacts every area of our life, faith in Christ does the same to redeem them and make them right. And he's not going to stop until the work is complete. Even things that we may have considered good are still corrupted by our sin. There's still things that, that, that Christ steps in and changes when he's Lord. Our marriages, our parenting, those things are different. And finally, in this, this, this last section to wrap up, this is cha it changed the lives of those who came before us and those who will come after us. We're in this long line of thousands of years of followers of Christ who've made contact with Christ. And because of that contact, they've been made right with God, their maker. It's altered their lives and it can alter ours. The world's going to scream at us to say that um, we need to have a meaningful life. 
there's all kinds of messages telling messages coming at us telling us to make something of yourself but the gospel whispers to us and it says to come and die in our life to let someone else be meaningful so that we can have meaning real meaning in and through our lord and savior jesus christ let me pray Father, we, um, we come to you now, um, and we, we've heard your word. You've, you speak to us, and we thank you for speaking to us, for giving us your truth. We thank you that Paul endured suffering. We thank you that, that you saw fit to use him as a vessel to bring us the truth of, of just who you are, Jesus. And we thank you, Spirit, for opening our eyes, for showing us that, um, that we need our Savior. Would you continue to show us? Would you continue to increase our faith? Would you help us where we're lacking? And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.